1: Ooh, I remember we were worried about 10. <laughs> I, I know. We're like, if we can just make it past seven, that's <laughs> fine. But so. Um, so for this week's episode, we're doing something super special. And we're going to let others take over the podcast episode, basically. <laughs> um, we have so many fabulous BTSs on well, with let's, us.
0: I was going to say, we got to kind of tell them what we're doing, not just throw everybody in the deep
1: end. No, no, no. So we have BTSs okay. with us because everybody wants to know what's next you obtain your VTS, you go through this whole crazy process that's super stressful, lots of sleepless nights. And then what do you do with it after?
2: Right. I mean,
0: I'm still wondering that
1: we have this conversation. Yeah. We started a podcast, (laughs) 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 but not everybody starts a podcast. So, um, we wanted to just get some other opinions as to, um, what else is out there? What else can you do? Why obtain your VTS basically? Yeah.
0: Who knows? Maybe some crazy brainstorming will happen because there's a lot of really smart big brains in this. There's
1: definitely big brains on the this screen. Like, I,
0: I love the screen actually. Speaking of the screen.
1: So um... introducing our VTSs with us, first I'm gonna go, I'm just gonna go through my screen here. So Amanda, Amanda, introduce yourself and tell us what you have your VTS in.
3: Hi, I'm Amanda Searles. I am a licensed veterinary technician with a VTS in emergency and critical
0: care. Nice. And she's in scrubs. So she's like, of course, because you're emergency and critical care is that actually she's at work. Makes so much sense right now because this this is is a Sunday. So you're at work.
1: Yep. (laughs) All right. Next, I have the fabulous Liz, who we've had on before. (laughs) Hello, I'm Liz Houston. I am a VTS in internal
2: medicine and ECC.
1: I know. Overachiever here. We have a couple of them though. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, Wait. There this, are some people further down this <laughs> list. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next, I have Ann.
4: Uh, Ann Wardinger, and I have my VTSs in emergency critical care, small animal internal medicine, and nutrition. I know. Can you believe yeah. that? That's three. I'm the only person with three.
0: I mean, okay. I feel like you need like a a hat that says that and like a badge
1: that you wear <laughs> i can't i can't believe we get like some of the smartest people with us like people with more than one vts let alone three
4: no i don't know if that's smart it's the inability to say no
1: oh yeah, yeah yeah spoken like it's a true of
4: those were organizing. i love how every I was person gonna... on
0: my screen was just like
2: mm. yeah and i was gonna mm. ask how many of those were organizing committee or two of members. them yeah
4: two you of were... them which if it takes typically a two to three year commitment to get your VTS mm-hmm. to be on an organizing committee is a five to eight year commitment. Oh, wow. And I did too.
2: Yeah. And I, we have, a, we have at least one other, I think who did two. Yeah. Liza, yeah. you were on
4: organizing committee, <laughs> well. weren't you?
1: Yep. So Liza's next.
4: <laughs> <laughs> who, who's this Liza person?
5: <laughs> She's
4: one of my babies. That's true, that's true. Uh,
5: (laughs) My name is Liza Rudolph and I am a VTS in small animal internal medicine and I was one of the organizing committee members for the clinical practice VTS and my specialty is in the canine feline version of that specialty. So yes, super cool.
1: I gotta say Liza was one of my first like vet tech crushes. Like I was like, I took your... I took like that small animal <laughs> internal medicine course when I first yep. started in internal medicine. And I was like, oh my God.
0: <laughs> I
1: know that I took her so
0: course. I took her course when I was working on getting my VTS. And I was like, can I just do the case reports with you? And she was like, yes.
1: Was like, yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, we'll do that. <laughs> right. And then yeah. we have also
6: Linda. Hi, I'm Linda Merrill. I'm uh, in small animal internal medicine and canine and feline clinical practice and i also was on organizing committees for both of those groups
1: amazing gosh okay we're gonna get into more details about what everybody does obviously but i got two more people to introduce so chelsea Um, i'm chelsea camiolo and i just actually recently got my vts in internal medicine Yay! i mean i'm not gonna say anything that's pretty awesome <laughs> All right. And then Rebecca.
7: Yes, I have my VTS in clinical practice, canine, feline focus. I feel like such a baby with like only one little VTS over here, but <laughs> <laughs> I bow down to many of you because your names are on so many of my textbooks.
4: And my- right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm just, oh ah.
1: so yeah, the fan. I just realized like there's
0: four of us that have, or no, there's five of us with like single VTSs and then four with like two to three VTSs. Apparently we got to step up our game. Apparently,
1: That's what we're here for Yvonne is to figure out what's next. Is
0: is that, is that what we're here for? Like we're just going to get a couple more. It's fine.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) We've (laughs) got to, got to step up my overachieving game a little bit. I guess the first question I wanted to ask everybody, and I don't know who wants to take the lead, but, um, what was kind of the main influence in obtaining your BTS? I know for me specifically, it was just, I wanted to prove to myself that I was Mm -hmm. at the top of my game, basically. Um, I knew my skills were good and um, I wanted to prove it on paper, I guess, because I had zero intention of actually making it so my boss was aware of me doing it. I'm glad I did because he's like (laughs) a father to me and he like supported me through the whole way, but I was kind of like, I don't really care if I get a raise or I don't really care about doing this. I just wanted to prove to myself. I quickly went out the window as soon as I started. Cause I was like, I'm doing too much work for this just to be <laughs> like <laughs> some extra letters behind my name. I, I need to make people know like how hard this is and like how difficult it is. And like, it's a challenge, but like, man, you feel good once you succeed. <laughs> so kind of tell me what got you guys started in obtaining your VTS. Who wants to take off first? Um, I will. All right. Um, right, (laughs) (laughs) thanks, Anne. Harold
4: Davis had a lot to do with it. Mm. That, um, I mean, I had been, by the time I took, started with my VTS, I'd been out of school 15 years. Um, Had two elementary school children. And I love learning. Mm. I love reading. And this was a way to show others how much I was able to learn and contribute to our service.
6: Yeah.
4: Um, and at that time, I sat for the second uh, sitting of ECC. So that was. Oh wow. The only thing, yeah, two thousand. That's awesome. <laughs> that. Um, so you know that was what was out there. I worked in internal medicine and emergency. My special interest is critical care. Yeah. You give me that DKA, you give me that hepatic lipidosis, you give me the animal that you're going to spend the next five days working on. Yeah. Um, I prefer to not deal with the HBC unless it needs a feeding tube and bandage management. And um, so for internal medicine, working on the critical cases uh, is it's so fulfilling to take an animal that comes in as a train wreck and you get to send it home.
1: Oh, I know. That's what people always ask me. They're like, how do you do it? Like, because I, when I try to explain them what internal medicine is, I'm like, we see the sickest of the sick. That's just the bottom line. We don't see those nice, healthy animals. We see the sickest of the sick. And they're like, oh man, that must be so hard to like do that. I'm like, you have no idea how rewarding it is to Mm -hmm. see those animals leave. Like, it's amazing. Like we do very, very, very few euthanasias and we see a lot of animals leave like practice. Yep. All right, Amanda.
3: I think uh, when I was uh, baby tech in tech school, you know, they talked about, you know, VTS being, you know, a possibility for you once you've been in, in the field. And I think from the very second that they had, my instructors had shared with me that, you know, you could go further after you graduated. That really was, I just wanted to be the best at what I was doing. So it was kind of always a goal after, getting my license and, you know, getting in practice. And for me, I love emergency and critical care. Primarily I love kidneys.
1: <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Everybody has the one body system. that's just theirs. <laughs> yeah.
3: I love, I love renal um, kidneys, um, lungs, you know, and, and I love, you know, being an advocate for those patients and, you know, kind of being that bridge between doctors and, clients and, you know, uh, advancing this wonderful career.
0: (laughs) I'll
7: go next, I guess, Rebecca. I guess what got me started similarly was also in school uh, many, many years ago. All right, I'll put a time frame on it. 2009, I graduated. And as part of our senior thesis was we had to give a presentation on, or I chose mine on the different specialties available at that time. So many years ago, I already knew that that was a path I could take. Um, even after I decided to come home to Alaska, where resources are a little bit more limited than in a lot of the bigger cities where you have specialty practices on every block kind of thing. Um, so it took me a little while, uh, it took me until 2017 to get mine in the clinical practice, dog and cats, canine feline. But it's you know, I kind of, I guess, always knew that I was going to get a VTS, just, Mm -hmm. it was a process of narrowing down which one to go for and which one I could reasonably obtain based on my geographical location. (laughs) Um, and just, I think also, yeah, proving to myself that my paper is awesome and (laughs) written down now and it's not written, didn't happen. So (laughs) exactly.
2: That's
0: awesome.
7: Um, and to be fair, I am actually waiting for the results of my certified veterinary pain practitioner exam.
1: So Yay! <laughs> <You> <laughs> I, more initial, <laughs> I don't know yet. Fingers um, crossed, like super hard for you. <laughs> yes,
7: thank you. But, um, yeah, I guess that's kind of why or how I started was a combination of what's already been said, but nice. yeah. Nice. Love learning and going to keep going. <laughs> nice.
1: All right. Well, Chelsea, I think I see you're un- unmuted. Do You want to go? Sure. All right. Um, I honestly, like in school and
2: stuff, I don't even remember ever even learning about oh, BTSs or anything. Um, but I started working in internal medicine in 2014. And I had a really, really amazing doctor who taught me literally everything there was to know about internal medicine and how to do everything. And she made me want to do more. And like Jordan said, like, I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. So I met multiple people who had tried to do it and still hadn't quite gotten there. And I just wanted to see how far I could get pretty much. Um, But like throughout the whole process, I like refused to get my hopes up. I'm like, all right, that's not going to get that's not going to get through. It's not going to get accepted. And then I got accepted and then I had to take my test. I'm like, all right, I failed that. Oh no!
4: Everybody <laughs> believes they failed it when yeah. they walked out. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Nobody walks no, out and failed
1: it. Yeah. Nobody. Like, <laughs> like, I, I drank like a beer passed. after
0: mine, so I
4: was like, oh. um, yeah. I, I think it was yep. margaritas with Liza. Yeah, we went
1: straight to margaritas right after our test too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah they work. were like, if you feel like you passed, you probably didn't pass. So. Oh my
2: gosh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh my god.
1: Yep. Yeah, I I agree though. I didn't learn about it in school either. It wasn't until I worked in internal medicine that I found out about specialties and I was like, and my boss really Mm -hmm. pushed me for it. And at one point I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to do it. And then he was like, "Uh, you have to. And I was like, (laughs) it was like right on my three year anniversary working for him. He was like, "Mm, it's time for you to go do this now. I was like, okay. So
4: kind of a lot. We very seldom get that much support from our doctors. My boss was Mm -hmm. like
1: fantastic. He was so proud. I swear, he was like a dad. He was so proud. Like he, he's even still proud. He's like, "You're a VTS. You can't do that." And I'm like, (laughs) "Okay."
2: Your your pinning, Jordan, was virtual because you got pinned last year. Yeah, we did a video. We did videos for AIMVT for the pinning, and your video was so sweet. Your doctor. Mm You can just see how much he loves you and how proud he was. Like, he was getting, like, teared up talking about it. Yeah, he was choking up a little bit. It was amazing. It was amazing.
1: He wrote his own words, because I think there was, like, a little script or whatever that sent out. He's like, am I allowed to write my own thing? And I was like, yeah, I don't see why not. And he's like, so he wrote his own words and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, my gosh. He was, (laughs) he's a great person, for sure. So, all right, Linda, I want to know how you... You, well, you were on an organizing committee, so.
6: (laughs) Well, I was actually the NAFTA president and then moved on to past president. And um, I was the chair of CBTS as past president because I'll show how old I am. That's why I'm emeritus now. Um, But (laughs) when Harold and emergency and critical care were the first recognized specialty through NAFTA. I was working in cardiology at that time and I thought, okay, here's a really good path. You know, I was actually not in cardiology when I got my organizing committee charter membership in internal medicine, but yeah, it just sort of uh, lit a fire under me by by being the chair of CBTS and seeing Mm. everything that emergency and critical care did to become the first academy and uh, just sort of blossomed from there.
4: And Linda did an excellent job herding cats. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That sounds about right when we're dealing with one of us.
4: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it was the days of facts. And yeah, Linda did an excellent job herding cats.
6: (laughs) Yeah, we had the, uh, back then, back in the day, we, there was no limit on organizing committee members and since we were the f- internal medicine was the first umbrella academy we had a very large organizing committee Yeah. Now but, it, it, it's limited to a dozen right now but uh yeah. wait
0: are you telling me that there was more than a dozen
6: oh for- yeah oh yeah oh. I, don't, I don't remember exactly how many there was at
0: least had. eight
4: per five se- five sections
0: yeah. so
6: yeah
4: probably
0: Holy.
1: That's got to yeah. be an amazing like feat just to try to start something from the ground up. Like I can't believe.
6: <laughs> Especially
0: like, something that big. That, yeah, yeah,
6: exactly. Exactly. Had some great members to guide us along the way. Yeah. So that, yeah. That made it easy.
5: All right. Liza, how did you get yes. into your VTS? So actually the reason that I got my VTS was because Well, it was actually the catalyst to getting me credentialed. To be completely honest, I had been working as an on-the-job trained technician for a number of years, Um, and I'll be honest, I was really good at what I did, and I loved what I did, and I was uh, was super fortunate to have amazing doctors that answered all the questions and gave you the support and taught you how to do the things. So I was off to a good start, and then. By this point, I was working in internal medicine. I just started, and so I had no experience yet. I think I had been working in internal medicine three months, and the internist comes to me and says, hey, there's this thing, gives me all the VTS paperwork, and I'm like, that looks awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So I need to go get some credentials. So um, I actually... In that point, um, decided that I was going to go back. To, that I was going to go back to school. I also decided that I couldn't possibly wait to get credentialed um, because of wait for the graduation for credentialing. So I went through an alternative path so I could get the letters, so I could start accruing my experience
1: nice, in order to get your VTs.
5: Right, right. So oh, I God, actually. I love it. <laughs> So I actually, uh, became a credential technician via alternative route in 2008, but I graduated my tech program in 2009 <laughs> and you got your BTS. <laughs> and then I got my VTS, uh, my, uh, let's see, that was 2013, I believe wow. was for internal medicine by the oh, time, nice. um, by the time it, it all, it all came together. And, and, and honestly, it's because I fell in love with internal medicine. If I'm going to be completely mm. honest, you know, like I, 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 I really liked general practice. I really mm-hmm. liked having relationships with clients. And then I really liked emergency critical care because it's emergency critical care and you do lots of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So with medicine, you got to do lots of cool stuff, but you get to see what happens next and you mm-hmm. get to develop those relationships with owners and it was like I found my specialty, so <laughs> I needed to learn all the things. So here I am, BTS. <laughs> <Nice>.
0: <laughs> all right, Liz, how'd you do it? <laughs>
5: yeah,
1: Liz has well, a special one. story. My last
2: one—it's not special. I mean, it's not. Well, I did something that's not allowed anymore, and I don't think I don't know that anybody else on this panel did, which was getting both in the same year which was insane and i'm glad that they don't do it anymore i worked at a really unique practice that i think enabled that to happen because Mm -hmm. um it wasn't specialty in fact we didn't have any specialists on staff we had one feline diplomat um when i went when i went for my bts um and so uh i I knew from when, the time I was in tech school, so I'm an older tech, I went to tech school as an older adult, I was 36 when I graduated from tech school, and um, when I was in school, we went, my program director encouraged us all to go to, at that time, I think it was Western States, or I don't know, now it's Viticus, or whatever it is, but the one in Vegas, right? Right. So he encouraged all of us to go to the, this big conference. He's like, it's a great way to look, you know network and learn about um, the profession, to you know see what's out there. And I remembered going to this conference and look going to these lectures and looking at the names of who was lecturing and looking at their credentials. And I thought, huh, what's this VTS thing? What like these people seem really smart, and I really like listening to them and. You know, and I'm talking about people like, you know, Amy Newfield and, you know, um, Nancy Shaffrin and Harold Davis. And so it's like you look at these at the people lecturing and you think, oh, they have these letters. What is that? I already had a background in education. I have a master's in education and I knew I loved teaching. And I thought, oh, I could I could do that. Like that could be me. I could be teaching and like I could do that. And that seemed really exciting. And so that's when I started looking into it. Um, And then uh, I knew it was going to be internal medicine for sure. Um, And I did it as I advise people when they're considering which specialty to go for. I'm like, look at the skills list, look at what you do every day, look at the skills list and you know, of the, of the specialties that you're interested in. And then you can figure out among those passions that you have, which one is the most achievable? Because like, I love behavior, right? And for a while I thought, but this was even before there was a BTS Academy, right? But I was like, oh, I could specialize in behavior. Um, Or I could do, you know, oh, I, there were, there weren't as many (laughs) academies then as there are now. Um, But I was like, oh, so the big ones were You know, internal medicine and ECC. They're Mm -hmm. the oldest, they're the biggest. I'm definitely not going for dentistry. That was not (laughs) in the cards. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So uh, so I was like, okay. And I looked at the skills list and there was enough similarities. And I had this, you know, really diverse job where I worked in an ICU of a 24-7 practice that also did general practice, but we had a scope and we had ultrasounds and we had doctors who did echoes. And, you know, it was like a whole, it was, it was a, Really so magical, it, was like it was a magical place when I worked there. I I loved working there. It was just it was amazing. Um, but that's why I think I was able to do it. <laughs> Doing both in the same year was not a smart idea. Um, I am really lucky that I have a really supportive spouse um, because, uh, like I didn't you probably see my, never saw anyone. Yeah, I didn't see my friends for like really like two years.
1: Yeah. Because you got to do the application and then study.
2: Yeah. And so it was, it was tough and, you know, I, and I wasn't doing stuff around the house, right? Like there was a lot, I didn't read anything that wasn't veterinary related for like three years.
1: Yeah. You don't watch TV. You don't like, (laughs) no, it takes your whole
2: life. Yeah. And it was a lot and it was a lot for him, right. To, to see me and, and to, have to like <laughs> be a part of it so that's uh, your, like sleepless so, nights
1: and stuff like that too. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And then of course, getting closer to the application, it gets really, really stressful. And I know, I mean, I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but this is the weekend before the internal medicine applications are due. And maybe this oh, is a little right. segue into like what's next because I volunteer for the Academy and I am the credentialing committee chair um, for the Academy of Internal Medicine and. It's uh, it's a really stressful time.
1: It's a it's really like rush really
2: week or something
1: like that, time. I don't know. It's that week when you start second guessing literally everything you've yes. written. Yes, exactly. like, do, do I, Dot and
2: I, I can't remember. Yes, and I, so and I remember that. And luckily, you know, the application years are offset for the two academies, so I wasn't doing two applications at the exact same time, That's but cool. one's due in September and one's due in December. So there's not a lot of difference between the two. Yeah. Um, and, um, anyway, so I, you know, I, I knew from a very, from the very beginning, before I graduated from tech school, you know, like Liza, that that was something I wanted to do. Um, and the direction I wanted to go, which is to teach. And that was, um, you know, that was really in the cards for me. And then the more I got into it, the more, and I don't know if this is all of your, I know, I, I say, I don't know. I know this is <laughs> all of your experiences, being in it, starting to learn about it, doing the work to do, to get to the point of being able to submit your application and sitting for that exam and passing the exam. Like I became the best possible technician I could be. Absolutely, I, could, I it gave me so much knowledge and the skill mastery to be able to provide that, just that highest level of care possible for patients. And that, really became a guiding star for me while I was, you know, after I got my VTS, that was something um,
1: that became really, really important to me. And
2: I I would venture to say that's similar for
1: Oh, yeah, I think that's actually a really good point, because it makes you almost slow down and look at the case as a whole. You don't really look at it like that. Because especially if you like I came from general practice and went into internal medicine, and it took me a while to slow down enough to adjust to internal medicine life versus giving vaccines and and
0: the 20 minute appointments. Yeah, the in and out
1: and like an you have your standard <laughs> like they're coming in for an ear infection. You kind of already know what you're gonna discharge them with. Um, to actually sitting down and breaking down the the cases and what you're seeing. And then to doing your application, you're really thinking even harder about like, well, what else could it be? You know that it's likely this thing up here but you're going to list all these other things that it could possibly be, even though you're pretty certain it's this thing. <laughs> and it really just makes you slow down and think like I have a saying at my work. Um, and I actually want to get t-shirts made and it says internal medicine on the front and on the back, it's going to say, hold on, let me overthink this because <laughs> internal medicine is just the, the grounding of overthinking everything. So um, I think that's a really good point to know that like, it really does make you the best tech you can be. And I don't say overthinking in a bad way whatsoever, because that's what makes you a great internal medicine tech, I think. But- well,
0: and, and I'm kind of touch on, it's it's kind of fun because in this group, we have emergency critical care, internal medicine and clinical practice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, you know, Liz brought up the skill list and stuff like that. And, and honestly, like, I went back and forth, for a long time between emergency and critical care and internal medicine, because I was like, I love doing both of those things. And it literally came down to what schedule do I want to be married to for the rest of my life? And I went, I'm getting older. I will do internal medicine. Thank you very much. <laughs> Cause I'm sorry, Amanda, but it's Sunday. You should not be at work right now. You know, because Amanda has our emergency critical care, (laughs) yes, and she's in scrubs. But you know, it's it's interesting because it is one of those things where you have to figure out what are the things that you love and you're passionate about, and how can you best focus that. That doesn't necessarily mean you know everything when you start that path because you don't, right? Like as you're doing your case studies, as you're doing your your reports, and you're doing the CE and everything, like it, it your brain expands. And then it expands even more when you're studying for the test. And then when you're done with the test and all the stress is gone and you've passed, you keep learning, right? Because you're, then you're still interested in it. And I think that's one thing. We've heard it from many people that just get their VTS. Like, okay, I got my VTS and I've been on this like roller coaster, just train ride for the last two years. Now what the heck do I do with my VTS? Like, where can I go? And it's, and it's hard because a lot of clinics don't even know what a VTS is. Like I kind of had to teach my clinic and my doctors what a VTS was. So it's, you know, it's hard. Like, it's great when you have that support team that knows ahead of time. But if, if you have to also teach them what it means, you know, um, and I think, I think that knowledge is getting out there. And I think all of us on, on this on this zoom zoom picture we're helping to get the word out there um so i think that's that's something that jordan and i just wanted to talk to you guys about and then i have a quick question how many of you guys heard
1: about vts's in tech school not i (laughs) nope so what so like three of us three four of us
4: oh wow i've been licensed for 38 years
1: all right.
0: Well, <laughs> right. The people that made the VTS. Anne's are older than hands. all.
2: and has been licensed longer than any VTS academy has existed. So that's true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, you get you get your uh, you get your pass on that. But I mean, it's it's true. There, you know, even new graduates right now are. It's fortunate if they get taught about VTSs, mm-hmm. and that's something that Jordan and I have kind of. We're like, how do we, you know, how do we get the word out to even
1: schools about? So I didn't even know about specialists, like until I went to look for my current job. And it took me kind of trying to interview where I was like, wait, I don't have to do general practice. I can do something else. So like, I had mm-hmm. no idea um, because I was the same. I was- I unfortunately just worked for people who didn't refer ever and they never talked about it. It was never an option and I didn't learn Mm -hmm. about it in school. So it was one of those things where it took me like looking for a job on Indeed to be like, oh, wait, this is a thing. This is a whole new thing. So it was a whole new world for me. Like I had no clue that you were supposed to refer things that you didn't know what to do with. Like, (laughs) so yeah, same. I I got, I I, ended up like randomly getting a job at a specialty clinic and yeah,
2: me too had no idea what I was getting into. I just needed a job for my school.
1: And that was it. So I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't know you guys existed. Nope. I had no idea. My boss was like, wait, what do you mean? And I was like, (sighs) I had no idea that you existed. He's like, well, I need to advertise more. And I was like, I don't, I think it was just the doctors that I worked for didn't believe in like seeking Mm. help and like referring, um, which is unfortunate because like, it's such a great resource, but like, I just think it was, it was in that weird time frame of like, you know, you just work for those competitive doctors and like it, it happens, mm-hmm. it's out there and it is what it is. And I think too, it's just a matter of knowing like what your resources out. There's still people who don't know what internists are and I think assume that they're just interns and not internists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, no <laughs> I, I really think that's the thing. <laughs> so, I think,
3: I think um, that the Is changing quite a bit too, and and we've seen this nationwide kind of boom after the pandemic of you know just all the veterinary clinics and all the referral hospitals are just out straight and busy. But um, I think that clients are kind of demanding more highly specialized care. Um, You know, they're they want to more people are getting want to pursue you know advanced medical care, and so I think that referring cases, unless you're in like the more remote, um, rural areas of a state, I think referral is becoming more and more common. So hopefully by having more referral hospitals, then, you know, again, that's going to get that, that word out there too, for anybody who wants to kind of advance their career and maybe pursue a VTS.
0: Yeah. And I, I think, I think the connectivity too, I think, is a big part of that um, because there's so many of us on social media now, and we talk about the different things. I think that helps too. Yeah. Sorry, Linda did you did you raise your hand because you wanted to say something? Because I was like, what <laughs> happened to my screen? And then it like moved again. I was really confused. I'm sorry.
6: <laughs> I didn't want to jump in, in the middle. Of,
0: <laughs> oh, um, so that was the raise your hand feature. Yeah. See,
6: she knows how to use Zoom. I, I don't. <laughs> so um, I found out a few years ago by talking to applicants, especially, even though it seems a little counterintuitive, I think that going for your VTS is the best way to avoid burnout. I found so many who, in their application process, just... You know, blossom.
0: Yeah, so. I, I I will really agree. agree. I think for it sure. it definitely like reignites your passion for the profession, yes. um, and you go, oh, I do make a difference. You know,
2: yes.
1: Um,
0: and it's very stressful, but it definitely, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well,
6: and I think it's yeah. one of those like things I say, it's counterintuitive. <laughs>
1: well, and I think it's one of those things too. It's where, like you're almost at a point where like you don't think that you can know anymore, but then you start the process and you're like, holy cow, there's all this stuff that I don't know. And like, it, yeah, it reignites your passion to be like the best. And because you can still admit that like, oh, well, I didn't know that. Or I didn't know that. And it just makes you, it's like going to school all over again. It's, it's just reigniting that passion and like yeah. being excited for the first day of school. Right. And uh, I think it's, it's
5: also with um, no matter which, what your field is, right? That right. you can you can be engaged or you can be on autopilot, right? So if you're mm-hmm. in general practice, you can go get those meds together. You can pull up those vaccines because you know it's just part of it. In internal medicine, you can get that ultrasound set up because you know, right? E C C, you're getting that that catheter. You're already plugging that you know spike in that bag because you know, and that becomes autopilot. And if you're not engaged, it it just becomes day in day out same stuff and just becoming that the best version of yourself that you can be as a technician can make all the difference in the world for us in terms of you know that 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 feeling when you get when you really advocate for that patient so it it, it's the best for everybody right (laughs) being engaged and critically thinking it benefits us and it benefits our patients everybody wins that's a great
0: way to look at it too yeah
4: I I think a lot of it has to do with learning to connect the dots, you Mm. know, that, you know, when this animal comes in, we get this diagnosed and this is what we do for diagnostics, but learning out what the results of the diagnostics, how that affects the medication choices and how that affects your recheck schedules, connecting those dots. Mm -hmm. And even if you weren't voicing it you're going, okay, so we're seeing this. These are the changes on ultrasound. That means this process is going on. So we're going to use this drug because this is what affects it. And we're going to have to do rechecks every two to four weeks because of this side effect. So that when you're explaining things mm-hmm. um, in internal medicine, I mean, we have consistently high quotes to clients I and mean, there is no cheap lipidosis cat,
0: mm-hmm.
4: And you know, I could get clients to sign a $4,000 estimate because I could explain to them what we were doing, why we were doing it, how we were going to do it and what was going to happen. You're
0: presenting the value of it Mm -hmm. because you understand it and you, and they can, like, that's the other thing too, right? Clients feel more comfortable sometimes asking us questions Mm -hmm. and we (laughs) talk about it in (laughs) non-doctories. And so, yeah, we, we can provide that value. I mean, that's, that's that's true. Like we can get them to sign those estimates that someone who doesn't know why, just because, like, oh, the doctor ordered it, right? You know, right, and different. and
5: also and also when um, when they ask you those questions, like you have all these tests, and they ha- and they ask, well, can we do this in stages? Can we do this? And you can have that educated, you know, discussion that says, well, it doesn't really make sense to do this before this. It looks like you'd save money, but really, in the long run. N- you know, someone that doesn't know what's going on isn't going to be able to have that conversation. And I think not only having that conversation makes it clear for the owners, but also they know they're dealing with an educated staff. And I think that really increases the trust exponentially. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point.
1: So what else, aside from working in clinical, well, in like a clinical setting, what else do we do like after we get our VTS? I'm sorry, Pooh is making an appearance in this episode.
2: Apparently.
1: <laughs> She's very jealous. Um, but I know there was mention of like kind of explain like after you got your VTS, yeah, we're at the top of our game. We're in a clinical setting. We know we can earn the trust of clients. But I think speaking as an overachiever, I feel like you kind of get this sense of like, okay, well, now what do I do? Like I, I did this process. Do I go back to school? What do I, what do, I do now?
4: It depends on the person. Um, those of us that are outgoing may go into speaking, but not speaking isn't for everybody. It's not fun for everybody. Do you? Wait, did you enjoy not... writing the case reports? <laughs> that did you enjoy writing the case reports? Would you maybe get into writing articles? Hmm. Did you enjoy the client education part? Maybe you're going to take over the clinic's Facebook page. And expand on, you know, the information that is out there for clients to access. Are you going to start up a webcast so that you can educate that way for the people that, you know, want to use that as a resource? So what you do depends on what you're comfortable with. And some people just getting that VTS and knowing they've got that information, they're good. They don't want Mm -hmm. to go out. They don't want to be up on stage. They don't want to have their name on print. They're fine. And you can still be your best you and use that information that
2: you've gained.
1: For sure. I think it makes you, I think in a clinical setting, it's definitely a great position to be in. Um, because you feel, you almost feel more confident. Like you pass that test and you get those letters and you kind of go instantly back into clinical practice and you feel more confident in the work that you do and the communication that you have with clients because those letters are behind your name, Um, Mm -hmm. which I think is a great feeling. And I, am definitely happy with that too. Um, And then, yeah, like the education aspect of it, Yvonne and I started a podcast. So um, I think it's definitely out there, but I, I do think that you kind of have that steps sometimes of like, well, do I want to educate the rest of the staff? Do I want to train staff? What, what else is out there? So it's interesting to hear from others as to like what they kind of did right after their VTS too. You can make your, what else is out
6: there.
7: Can I be honest about uh, what happened right after I got my VTS? (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, So I feel like I went brain dead for about nine months (laughs) of all this you know, stressful studying and my credit card with all the book purchases I had on it, that came due. Um, <laughs> and actually at the same time, my husband challenged me to get a hobby because yeah, I had two years invested in this process where I come home, I study, I come home, I write a case log, a case report, I'm reviewing, I'm editing, I'm, I'm, reading and diving into all these cases that yeah, up here, we finally got an internal medicine diplomat. Maybe well, I think he actually came up back in 2010, but he was one man for one state, you know? So we didn't have a lot of referral options up here. We just got our second internal medicine, uh, three years ago. And we just got an ophthalmologist and like a surgeon, you know, like, so we don't have a lot of the referral opportunities, but where was I going with that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think just, I think, I, I, think, think, I think, think you're I right, work though. life balance and, yeah. and remember, okay, you know, we're still, we're more than our profession too. That's, and I'm still, I think trying to figure out my definition of my reward for this process. You know, I'm coming up on my renewal time frame because we renew every five years. So I think that's due next year for me, right, Liza? <laughs> Yikes! Um, <laughs> and, you know, even after five years, yeah, I have some great days where I feel very engaged. I can make myself as engaged as I want to be for that day or for that case. And there's other days where I can, I, I call it following the yellow brick road, because all of our treatment sheets are highlighted in yellow. So there are some days I'm like, yep, okay. You know, just kind of checking off. But in the back of my mind, I'm still, our brains never shut off, right? I think overthinking is our superpowers here. I'm always very aware and cognizant of the treatments that I'm doing. Why am I doing it? Does it make sense?
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
7: and it's a it's a team effort because doctors aren't perfect. They might miss a decimal point. I'm not perfect. You know and it's just that teamwork I get to be their right hand they get to sleep better at night when I'm monitoring the floor sometimes overnights you know what I mean it's
0: yeah it's very mm-hmm. rewarding that way yeah but Sorry, Amanda <laughs> you, you raised your hand I promise I saw it <laughs> I think the
3: big thing that I realized after achieving my BTS is that, you know, when you're going along that path and you're doing those case reports and you are that two years where you're almost isolated with your veterinary textbooks, um, it really empowered me to advocate for the team and the growth of the team. So mm. I think there's definitely educational opportunities like working at a, a school um, or lecturing or doing articles for like a local journal but um, what I found is that you know it really opened up that that confidence level of being able to touch base with those that are working and elevating their their practice and their medicine and even um, you know so many times and I think we can all probably relate to this we've all heard, well, it's the doctor, this is what they've said but, we are truly a collaborative team. It's technicians and doctors working together to, you know, treat these patients. Um, And I think that having those additional credentials and me kind of saying, well, you know, I don't, this is what I was thinking. Could you explain it a little bit further? Um, So not only is that there that, you know, training that I'm directly offering to those that I work with, but also showing them that, you can question something and ask for additional information in return. And again, it's it's kind of an empowerment of the profession itself in clinical practice. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to share too, is I think too, that there's this common misconception that after you have these letters attached to your name, that you're a computer. <laughs> <And> <laughs> everyone will approach you and be like, well, what's the normal range for this? Or what are the mechanics of there are going to be some drugs and there's going to be some diagnostic values that you will know off the top of your head. But I think showing, you know, some of my team members that, yes, I achieved my BTS, but I still have to look things out. Um, I think it makes them feel also better about, oh, well, OK, good. So it encourages them to, you know, advocate for their own learning. Um mm-hmm. Somebody who has those additional letters is is looking up things, or you know, because
4: oh, don't go chewing stuff, huh? My cat's chewing on the cords.
3: <laughs> I think, um, yeah, we're we're not computers. Um, we're we're humans, but I think that you know, even just working together and and knowing that we have to look things up from time to time is is helpful for our, my colleagues. Um, and knowing what they know and also knowing what they don't know.
0: I love that you say that. Cause I, um, I know at work, people are like, well, Yvonne's got the answer. She knows everything. And I'm like, first of all, I definitely do not have the answer for everything in my head. I'm just very good at knowing where to look. <laughs> like I know what books to go to. I know what websites are good resources, um, and I think that might be the difference because I feel like in order to have your V or to, in order to go down the path of VTS, not even necessarily like just getting it, but just going down that path, you have to have like a passion for learning and figuring things out because it is a self-driven pro like process. Like nobody makes us do any of this. So you have to be a little bit of that nerd, right? And know what books to look up and, and be able to have those resources. And I think modeling that behavior for like our coworkers, I think it's huge, right. And being able and feeling comfortable talking to our doctors and like working through a case with them or asking them a question. I think, I think when they start seeing us doing that with the doctor, like they feel more comfortable that they're allowed to do that as well. And all of a sudden, it's like, it's it's fun to see them blossom, you know, and you're like, that's right, go. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I totally agree with you on that. Like, no, I, I, I don't have it just all stored in my brain, but I know where to look for
5: answers, you know. I definitely think too that, you know, the what do you do after your VTS? And that even if you're not, you're not speaking, you're not writing. I think a lot of people, you know, don't really think about how organically having a VTS in your practice just raises that bar, right? You don't mm-hmm. have to be in a leadership position or a training or education coordinator. Just by the fact that you have those letters and people know what you went through, you'll have assistants and text come up to you and ask you those questions veterinarians that know what you've been through will start asking those questions. So just by, Mm -hmm. like I said, just organically, you just end up raising that whole bar. And I, I love that because you don't have to be anybody special. You know, you don't have to take on a special role. You can just be the person with all the stuff in there. It's all the stuff in their head and where to go for the other stuff. (laughs) You can use that
2: to mentor People. That was yeah, one exactly. of the first things I did when I became a VTS. And I think it's the perfect thing for brand new VTSs to do is mentor an applicant, you know, help them through. You just went through it. You are the expert. You know exactly <laughs> what it takes. You know what to do. You know how to do it. You know what the test is going to look like. Like that for me was huge to really put that hand down the ladder and pull other folks up right right along what you're talking about Liza just bringing more people behind me put and then pushing them in front of me right okay <laughs> now you go Your turn. You. Yeah. <laughs> and also, Now you go do this and I think that is something especially for a brand new VTS um, that was really it was I, I love doing that. Mentorship is one of my passions. Um, I loved helping people. I love seeing people blossom and, and learning new things and getting to that point in their career. Um, and so I think that is something really cool. And then like, if you're mentoring for your academy you're kind of already a volunteer. And so then you should volunteer with yeah. your academy as well.
0: Well, and, and I will, um, to kind of piggyback on that and i was gonna throw a shameless plug in for our academy for MDT but it's all the academies, right? Is, you know, I, I was a nuisance and I started harassing these people on this board that are VT um, before I even got my VTS and I was like, so what are you guys doing? Can I help? Can I listen? No, no, no. And then of course they knew me. So they like volunteered me for things, but I think it's, it's important to remember, even if you just got your VTS, like you're the same level as everyone else at that point, right? And so the best way to give back is volunteering somewhere. And it doesn't have to be a, a, a committee that takes a ton of time, but, you know, our organizations are all volunteer. They're, you know, run by us nerds. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think getting that new blood in is just, it's amazing what can happen with that because you know, if we've been doing this five, 10 years, you know, we're, we're a little bit further removed from the application process. Like, yes, we remember it. If you went through it, unless you're an organizing member and you didn't have to go through it. Oh, you no, know, we have to do everything you did. Plus that's more. true. You guys did a lot more, <laughs> a lot more. So, but I mean, you know, and being a part of it is, is awesome. Um, And so shameless plug to every single Academy out there. If you have your VTS somehow get involved, because.
4: Even if you can't volunteer,
0: show up for the executive board meetings.
1: Yeah.
4: That, that takes an hour of your time, you know, every second or third month show up, see what's going on. You know, maybe there's a special committee you can get on. Um, we've got, you know, volunteers for the mentors. We've got our applications are getting turned in. I need to have, you know, three to four people review every application. Mm. Somebody's got to do that, and it can't always be the, same three, the OC members. <laughs> yeah. Sarah, Vicky, and I have seen more applications than anybody ever wants to see. So true.
1: I think one thing that I noticed when even just remotely trying to get started in the VTS process. So like just an RVT thinking about doing the VTS processes, I unfortunately came from those practices that there was just that negativity. You didn't really work with the people who wanted to build you up um, or see you succeed. And it was just always kind of a battle for your own position. Like you, for some reason, it always seemed like a competition of who was the better tech and it, it was just kind of one of those toxic things they're out there, it happens. But once I started looking into VTS and just changing the mindset, um, it, it, it's like a whole different level where like, all of a sudden you reach out to these people and they want to see you succeed. And it's kind of, it's, it was, it kind of took me back a little bit because I was like, wait, you actually are willing to help me and you want to see me succeed. And this isn't a dumb question. And you're making me feel really good about this. Um, it was, it was very refreshing to even just think about getting my VTS and email someone like Liz and, and receive a reply back that says, yeah, do it. You're, you're a boss lady, go ahead. <laughs> like, you know, just kind of getting that support that you kind of don't get sometimes when you work in these practices and it's out there, but the positivity of like just that higher level of teching is amazing it's a positive feeling. And it, it, every way you turn, like, it's one of those things where you just feel that vibe of like, you got this and you can go further. And then you want to push others further too. It, it's, it's a crazy vibe. It's a great vibe.
0: So I guess, um, cause we're about an hour into this. Cause what did you say? An hour to an hour and a half. And we're like, no, it won't take that long. This is me being optimistic apparently. Not. I guess if we want to end this, conversation for 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 today because I feel like we definitely talk more at some point so we have our basic basic I mean it's kind of a weird term to use for this our basic BTS and like where do you see us as our profession maybe growing the BTS because there's conversations you know of RVT LVT you know all that stuff but you know we don't talk about leveling up from VTS because currently there is not, um, like, how do we start that conversation of leveling up in our clinics, loving, leveling up in our profession? Cause like, where do we go from here? You know, like, do you guys have ideas? And this could just be like pipe dreams or, you know, do you work in someplace that's maybe working on something? Cause I think, I think that's all of us here, obviously we're pushing ourselves. We're pushing the profession forward because we love it. And um, that's one thing I love about our profession is like, we keep making it better, which is awesome. So like, what else, what else can we do?
2: as you might imagine, Yvonne, I have ideas. I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
7: I'm sure there's I a lot of ideas. Liz in this.
2: Anyone, ideas? I know. <laughs> anyone who knows me knows I have ideas on this point, but I do think <laughs> that the key here really is it starts with full utilization of the credentialed veterinary technician. So using mm-hmm. those people to the fullest extent of their skills, education, and licensure. And yeah. that is the absolute first step. And that I believe needs to start in veterinary schools. I think that students in veterinary schools need to be learning what a credential technician is, what they do, what their skills are. I think it's important, you know, I'm really, really tired of the argument of like, well, I've been an assistant for 20 years and I can run circles around credential technicians. Sure, but if you put a 20-year credential technician up against a 20-year assistant. There's no comparison. I, I'm sorry. It's just the truth. There's just no comparison there. You can't, you, that's not apples to apple comparison, right? So we need to, we need to stop having those debates. We need to move to licensure, as a profession we need to professionalize our profession we need to move to full licensure yes there is a place for assistance Assistants are incredibly valuable they taught me a ton over the course of my career but we need to move to full licensure we're beyond the point now in our as a profession um, that we can keep letting people come off the street and do our job uh, so that has to stop and Once we get to the point where we have full utilization of credential technicians in practice and we're able to educate the profession about what it is veterinary technicians can bring, veterinary technician specialists can bring to the table, then it's going to be a natural outcropping of that to what a VTS can do and the skills and knowledge and experience that a VTS can bring to every level of practice. I don't care if you're in a specialty practice or in a general practice out in the middle of nowhere, Alaska, you <laughs> have huge value to bring as a credential technician. And then as a VTS, as the natural evolution of our profession. I love it.
0: Amanda, think
3: got your hands up. <laughs> um. I definitely think like, in just in the natural, like evolving of the veterinary technician, the veterinary assistant, as I do think that, you know, it could be a pipe dream, but following the, the same pathway that a lot of human nursing um, kind of protocols are. And I definitely in our future at some point see, you know, veterinary technician, um, practitioners. Um, you know, I see them having their, you know, other clinics kind of seeing those, um, non emergent or urgent cases and kind of bridging that medical gap until they can get into those, um, you know, into the clinic to see either the specialist or in to see their, their own primary care physician. Um, so I definitely see the profession growing significantly, and you know I I see you know just clients um, viewing us as you know with the respect that human nurses uh, also get. Um, I think that it's it's especially with the nurse initiative that we saw over the past few years. You you definitely know that there's a significant, um, challenge in the amount of respect that a veterinary technician or even a veterinary technician specialist receives. So I think it's educating the public on what we can do and actually giving us the reins to, to do what we are absolutely capable of achieving.
0: Yeah. Great points. I think Linda, and then we got Am. This is a hot topic for everybody. All right.
6: <laughs> so I also think it's, um, well depending on your practice but i think it's having that uncomfortable conversation if if you're n- not doing something that you can legally do you have to push your practice um sell sell the benefits of you doing taking that over or um even if, even if it's just all of the vet techs, let alone, not necessarily the veterinary technician specialist, but if there's something going on in your practice that you can legally do that you're not doing, you need to assert yourself and have that difficult conversation with your bosses and say, Hey, I need to be doing this. Not you. Um, I want to be fully utilized in my position. Uh, I was very lucky. I've, always worked at a very supportive practices that pushed me to do everything I could possibly do. And along those lines, the veterinary assistants I've worked with do a lot, again, all legal here in Washington state, but the veterinary assistants are then pushed. I don't want to place IV catheters. My veterinary assistants that I work with, in Washington State can legally place an IV catheter and they're very good at it. I don't need to waste my, not waste my time, but you know what I mean, spend my time play, placing an IV catheter in a patient because I need to do the more advanced things that the assistants can't do and I need to take those things off the doctor's plates. Um, mm. In, in our, I was, finished my career in a general practice. The veterinary technicians pretty much ran anesthesia in the general practice because they were the ones that knew it and would come up with the anesthesia plans. They would argue against an anesthesia plan they didn't like um, because this is what we knew. You know, we knew the patient that day. We knew where it was at behaviorally. And if there was an anesthetic plan that didn't really fit in with this patient, we made the doctors change their anesthetic plans. And I think that was working to our highest levels. And I think, like like I say, you sometimes might have to have that difficult conversation and confront your bosses about it. But if you push your bosses to let um, you do everything you possibly legally do in your state, that's the best place, I think, to start. And you pull those assistants along with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's funny you say that. Cause there definitely were those times where I'd like be like, go do your doctor job. I'm the technician, go back to your desk.
1: <laughs> and I think and- that too comes from, sorry, Anne. Uh, but I think that too comes from the doctors informing the clients. Um, like if you don't work in an open hospital, right? Like you, the the clients can't see what we do, but my doctor specifically I will have clients come in and be like, well, I only want the doctor to draw blood. And my, my boss will go, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't want me doing that you don't want me restraining your dog you want me doing this and you want my technicians doing that so I think that is a conversation for doctors too to have clients because they see the doctor they talk to the doctor they don't get to talk and see what we do um unless we make that happen or our doctors make it clear that that's our job so I, I do think that plays a big role too
6: for for us in the, the general practice it was dental work yeah the doctor's The doctors didn't do any of the dental work and they were quite upfront with the clients. You do not want me to do the dental
1: work. I I think that's the (laughs) big thing is having doctors just upfront with clients of like, you know, you don't want me doing this. You (laughs) want me just to know about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I know you, you kind of raised (laughs) your hand on it. So yeah. Um, One of the things
4: that I love that has changed in the past 20 plus years since ECC started is we have technicians teaching technicians. Mm. So when you go to a conference in the technician tracks, you have technicians that are leading the tracks that are doing the labs. And doctors have no freaking idea what technicians need to know. They don't present the information correctly. They don't present it at the right level. They don't present it in the right fashion that we have got. Um, I went to, I was just at Southwest. We had one veterinarian that was speaking in the technician track and I went, he was internal medicine. It was the biggest cluster. (laughs) The doctor is showing himself doing blood pressures. Well, that's excellent utilization. He is demonstrating step by step how to place an esophagostomy tube, which no technician in the United States is legally able to do. Spent 20 minutes of his lecture on how to place this stupid tube rather than tell me what goes wrong after it's placed.
0: Tell me how to set up for it so I can yes. place it quickly.
4: Yes. Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, technicians teaching technicians is yeah. what I love that we are doing. Look at how many technicians are authors have got books that would not have existed 20 years ago, that we've got technicians that are seen as subject matter experts in their field that, you know, I had somebody come up and ask me, well, what book do you recommend for nutrition? Mine, <laughs> because my book is written at the level for a technician to understand and utilize. I mean, I've got all the veterinary books, but you need a biochemical degree to understand, you know, small animal clinical nutrition. I got it. I can do it. But somebody who's just gotten out of school or just has, you know, maybe they're touching, you know, maybe I want to get into this, get something that's at their level. Don't give them an eight pound book. Yeah. That that's, That has been my heart joy, is seeing technicians out there doing what technicians do. Yeah. And inspiring, you know, baby techs or even old techs. You can do it. Go out and do it. I I love
0: that. It's so true because I remember some of the first conferences I went to in the early 2000s. And you, you had one of two things. You had talks that were way below your brain level and you were just like, this is the most boring, basic thing, or you had doctor conversations, but now there's these amazingly rich, just mm-hmm. like lectures that technicians and BTSs are doing. And they're amazing. And I love listening to everybody and I try to support everyone.
4: So yeah, it's, I agree. And it's, it's topics awesome. that we are interested in. Yes. Um, so Heidi did a, a lecture on suture material. It was her most highly attended session. Oh my God. She's like, are you guys in the right place? Do you know where you are? (laughs)
2: That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah.
4: Yeah. We wanted, so, I mean, she's talking about all the different kinds, monofilament and, you know, the braided and the swedged and, you know, all those sort of things that, you know, this is what the product is, but this is what it can do,
2: Mm. which we never
4: get. The doctor says, you know, get the two out by crow. Okay. Open it up. Here you go. But, you know, what is it doing? Why did they pick that? You know, what other options are, you know, is there something that's better? Maybe something that's worse, you know, don't use metal, you know, those sorts of things.
0: Yeah. So that's,
4: that's what makes me happy is seeing all my friends out there just doing the best they can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with all of that.
4: And I will go and heckle anybody anytime. (laughs)
5: nice right Liza oh boy (laughs) yes yes um so uh (laughs) so I don't think we were clear earlier and um Anne was my mentor for internal medicine so she's seen me from the very beginning up until now so (laughs) and by the way if you need an internal medicine mentor I don't know if you're taking any on Anne but you are fantastic you are not until my presidency for (laughs) AVNT is done, Gotcha, but (laughs) they're sucking my brains right now. But you are a fantastic mentor. And obviously I agree with everything you said, like a hundred thousand million percent, right? I mean, it's, you know, if we want to compare to human nursing, right? Physicians don't lecture to nurses, right? Because they're two different distinct professions with different goals, with different ways of looking at patients and disease processes and it's the same thing for us, right? It's the exact same thing. Um, And also uh, as far as the, the the utilization, I can't, I can't echo that enough, but also I'd encourage you to think about those, those doctors that really utilize their techs, right? And I'm sure you can all think of someone that's like that they, they use them, they use them the way they should, and it works appropriately. Aren't don't, not not to mince words, but don't they make a ton of money, mm-hmm. right? Because the tech has freed them up to do their doctor things. And then the assistant frees up the tech to do the tech things. And when everybody's used efficiently, wow, that's how you can really support a practice and bring money in. And, you know, when you have a healthy practice you should get, you know, healthy compensation. So just saying. (laughs) So my doctor actually made a point like along
1: those lines where he was saying, like, he was like in vet school, they shouldn't teach us how to do tech things. There's technician school for a reason. He's like in veterinary school, we shouldn't be learning how to place catheters or do cystocentesis. Like we need to be learning how to, you know, do doctor things. And techs need to be in tech school learning tech things. And I think that was probably one of the smartest things my boss has ever said. And he's a smart man. So... (laughs) Um, but I, coming from also veterinarians kind of speaking up and saying, you know, we don't need to learn this. We have, we have technicians for this. Change yeah. the curriculum a, a little bit because we don't need to be doing that.
0: Yeah, and I think, I mean, honestly, I think that's, that's just a coin we, a, a phrase we um, use around this place. That's just upping your tech game, right? Like utilizing everyone efficiently and properly your entire practice is going to be elevated that way. And, and I think it's true. Like if, if they look at it economically, I think there's even studies on it. I've, I know I've seen them. If we use people appropriately, your doctor and your practice is going to wait, make more money. You're going to eventually make more money. We're going to raise the profession. We just baby steps towards there and little pushes in from every direction. We'll get there. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Love it. I agree. This was such a, a, a good topic and I'm super <laughs> thrilled that everybody joined us. Um, but I do think it's about time for us to wrap it up because we're <laughs> Does anybody
0: want to say anything before we get to the end? Cause that's usually how I ask Jordan. Anything else we need to talk about this week?
2: <laughs> well, what's gonna be the tip of the week? Oh, it's oh, going to be week. the question of the week because I want to meow on the podcast. <laughs> um, I want Jordan to, is it Jordan? No, it's Yvonne. It's me. It's, it's yeah, the tip it's of Yvonne. the week. And I want all of us to go meow yeah. because I always I, meow along. With the podcast. Tip of the week. <laughs> Yeah, I
0: think uh I think this week our tip is gonna be tech utilization, you know, and that and that spans from tech assistant, credential technician, because again, there's there's tech credential technician and nurses, because we do have UK and Australia and everybody listening too, and then VTSs, right? I think utilizing each level, I'm gonna throw doctors in there too, because They should be and your front staff right Mm -hmm. if you're utilizing your people appropriately i think you're gonna your days are gonna be smoother right like if if doctors are doing doctor things techs are doing tech things assistants are doing assistant things the front staff's doing front staff stuff not a million other things i think your day is gonna run smoother your practice is gonna be more profitable Hopefully you also get better satisfaction with your job, right? Because you're, you're using your skills that you were trained with. And I think that's a great way to just level, level up our profession in general. Um, And so, yeah, that's, I think that's our tip of the week.
1: You got to do it. (laughs) Question of the
0: week. All
1: right. So where does everybody who is listening see themselves either personally or professionally within the veterinary technician community um, over the next year or so? Uh, Do you have goals that you want to reach pending COVID stuff? Uh, Some of those goals might not be (laughs) obtainable, Um, but personally too, not just professionally, do you want to just create yourself a better work-life balance? Do you want to work towards your VTS? Do you want to work towards your bachelor's degree? Do you want to just get credentialed as as you're working as just an assistant right now? Um, let us know.
0: All right, guys. Thank you so much for spending an hour and a half of a Sunday with us. <laughs> yeah. Um, we super appreciate it. And thank you for, for joining us. Um, you guys, anything else before we wrap it up for the week? Oh, all right. Wow. All right. You guys, thank you for listening. Keep, you know, getting your learn on and we'll talk to you next week.
1: bye Bye. thank you bye all
0: right guys thank you so much for spending an hour and a half of a sunday with us (laughs) um we super appreciate it and thank you for for joining us um you guys anything else before we wrap it up for the week all right all right you guys thank you for listening keep you know, getting your learn on
1: and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. 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 Thank
0: you. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the internal medicine for vet techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe. So you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettex.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.